You're listening to the Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. Hello, everyone. Looking good out there? Feeling good? Football? Yeah? Leaves are falling? Woo. My wife said we wanted to get the fall decorations out. I don't want to do that because I have to go up in the attic and grab them. It's no fun. But she's so excited. It's good to see you today. I'm Brian, one of the pastors. I actually am Eddie's brother. That is the truth. And today, we're going to be talking about forgiveness, a fun subject for all of us. Well, I get this question all the time. As a pastor, as a Christian, I get this question. Is it really possible to forgive someone? Is it really possible to forgive someone that has hurt you? Now, as a Christian, I'm supposed to say, okay, some of you aren't Christians. That's okay. No, I'm expected to say yes, okay? But when I say that, it's really scary because do I really believe what I'm saying? Is it really possible to forgive? We say that, but do we do that? Now, I want to give you an example for me, the way I believe we kind of see forgiveness, kind of see life sometimes, and I discovered this week gifts, okay? So some of you older folks, let me explain. Not G-I-F-T, G-I-F, gifts. Graphic interchangeable formats, okay? You know what I'm talking about? You'll get it in a minute. It's movable text or images that you can send in a text message, okay? Well, this week... Our staff, we have a group text, so we'll text back and forth. We'll, you know, kind of encourage one another and whatever, communicate. And the guys started sending these gifts, okay? They were really funny. I mean, I'm just like, I've got to get in on this. Okay, see, you see, Monday for me was kind of frustrating. Have you ever had one of those days? Usually it's Monday. And I'm just like, I'm just going to find one that fits me. Okay, so me and Brenda, we got our phones out. We started searching how to send a gift on, online, on, on a text. That was what we were doing. I know we sound old. We're not. We, we're really not. So we found out this, all these gifts were everywhere, and it liberated us. We were like, wow, I can tell people what I really think with that. It's real easy, you know? And so I started looking for one. And I found one that really spoke to me, okay? And you've probably seen it. It's okay. But this is, I got you a little picture of it. This is what it looks like. It said, when people ask me how life is going, and then I played this video. Have you seen it, some of you? If you hadn't, I'm going to show it to you, okay? Oh, not yet. Well, go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) 
I'm just going to keep watching it until you get it. My favorite part. Mm. Okay, okay. If you're not laughing, it means you really got to work on forgiveness, okay? But for me, when you hear forgiveness today, or you were here when somebody asked me that question on Monday, that's the way I felt. Can you relate? Okay. Amen, sister. Amen, brother. That is life right now. That's the way we feel. And we want to do that to somebody really bad. In fact, I sent that text to the staff or that gift to the staff. And you know what they did? They texted me back. Casey actually did this. I'm going to throw you under the bus. She said, Brian, we think you need counseling. (laughs) I did Monday. But what I'm saying is, this is really how we see it. It, it really is. I mean, when you, somebody hurts you, you're not thinking, I'm just going to forgive them, give them some cookies and a note. No. This is what you're thinking. Give me a teddy bear outfit and a plastic bat and a punching bag. No, I'm not going to wear that. Sorry. But here's the question. Does forgiveness really work? Again, all us Christians, all us pastors are going to say it does. But does it work for you? Does it? So I want you to think about it. I'm not going to answer it yet. Because we're going to talk about forgiveness, what it looks like, what Jesus meant for us to see it like, how he demonstrated it to us. Does it really work? We'll find out. I'm not going to answer yet. So... I want to start with something familiar for you today. Coca-Cola. Anybody like Coca-Cola? Pepsi? Okay, it's always the argument. I love Coke. I have it. I should say Coca-Cola, sorry. I love Coca-Cola. <laughs> Got to clarify a little bit. But, you know, I've had it all my life. Diet Coke, Coke Zero, Coke Classic, Icy Coke. I mean, Cherry Coke. They got lemon Coke, pineapple Coke. I don't know what they got. They got a lot. And, you know, I'm very familiar with that brand. In fact, I'll give you a little history about it because I love history. So if you look at the Coke brand, it was invented in 1896 by a man, a chemist, basically. George Pemberton made this, developed this in Atlanta about two hours away, if you can believe that. In fact, Atlanta loves it so much They created a museum called the World of Coke. Some of you might have been there. My daughter's been there. She said it's lovely. I think you can get a Coke there, for sure. But it's fascinating that this brand has been around for over 100 years. I'm going to tell you something that's awesome about this brand. Did you know that this logo, this symbol, is the number two most recognized logo and symbol in the world? That's crazy, isn't it? They got to be proud of that. And their mission statement is this. I love their mission statement. It's, we want to have a Coke within arm's reach of everyone in the world. That's their mission statement. And they're close, closer than most, closer than Pepsi. Okay. So I say that Not that I want to talk so much about what is number two, what's the most recognizable symbol, but actually to point you to what is the number one 
most recognized symbol in the world. It's way more significant, way more powerful, powerful, an incredible message, and this is it, the cross. Number one most recognized symbol in the world. You'd think the world would be different, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, you've probably seen this today somewhere on a building at the hospital. I was there this week. Saw a big statue of Jesus and a cross. You know, maybe you have something like this in your house, painting on the wall. You see, I have some friends that have a tattoo cross right here. I'm not against tattoos, by the way. Okay. But I almost got one one time. I was at this place in Gatlinburg, and I said, I'm going to walk in there and see what they do. I want a cross right here. He said, that'd be $500. I said, okay, no. <laughs> it was a great excuse because I hate pain. So I wasn't going to pay $500 to hurt. But I'm proud of my friends who did. I, I, I'm proud of you. I'm, if you're online, you got one, way to go. I love them. Just not for me. But this symbol is a powerful symbol. And I think sometimes we miss exactly what this means. See, I told you a little of the story behind the Coke brand. But see, when you look at the story behind the cross, it's much different, much greater. In fact, I would say that when you understand and embrace the story of the cross, that what you need today when it comes to forgiveness, unforgiveness, worry, whatever you're dealing with, again, his arms reach away from you. It's right there. It's right there. Isn't that awesome to know what we need? It's right there. But some of us don't recognize it. We kind of pass over it. And what we're going to learn today is the story behind the cross. When you embrace that story and you really look at Jesus in the face, eye to eye, it will change your life. So I'm going to ask you this question. Okay, we're going to come back to that story of the cross in a minute, but I'm going to ask you a, a fun question. Has there ever been a time in your life when someone did you wrong? Come on, yeah. I mean, you can go like this. Yeah. Has there ever been a time when someone lied to you? Yeah. Someone cheated on you. Someone broke the trust in a relationship right? We all understand how that feels. You know, we can get it. Would you say this? Would you say what they did to you shaped who you are today? The way they treated you shaped who you are. Would you also agree that the way you responded shaped who you are today? Yes, it did. In fact, the way you respond a lot of times is like the video we saw. We may lash out with a text or a message or an email, and we just give it to them. And yes, it affects you. You know, I would say holding a grudge is really one of life's guilty pleasures. 
okay? It's fun to hold a grudge, is it not? No, it's not. Well, you, you know, you've got to think about it. You know, I, I, I hold this over that person. They owe me something. It kind of vindicates what they did to you, so I'm just going to hold this grudge. If I let the grudge go, that means they win. So I'm just going to hold on to it. In fact, it, it, it's, it's probably that you can't wait to that day when you can tell them how you feel, how you really feel. You think about that. Man, one day I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You thought about that this morning? Yeah. That's probably already happened for some of you. So it may look something like this. Think about this. Maybe you're going to the mall one day, okay? Y'all ever been to the mall? Okay, people still doing that? Okay, you go into the mall and you're walking. Now, I know this is happening to you. And you're walking down the mall and you see them. You see that person that did you wrong. And it's too late. They saw you and you, you just, pfft, I ain't moving, you know. And you get up close to them. There's no choice. You have to confront them. And this is your moment. This is the moment you get to tell them what you think, okay? And you just start going. Let me tell you. I mean, you're all of a sudden, you, can, you have the speaking skills of Billy Graham. And you're just, <gasps> I mean, you go all Taylor Swift on them. You know what I'm saying? You're just letting them have it. And it gets better, and it gets better. And you're just letting them have it. And all of a sudden, your friends start showing up, okay? For some reason, all your friends are at the mall. Wow, coincidence. All your friends start walking in, and they start cheering you on. Way to go, girl. Way to go, man. You tell them. Mm, you tell them. That must have burned, girl. Yeah. You tell them. And you just keep going. You keep going. And then all of a sudden, you, start, you get loud. All of a sudden, you start seeing that person. And a tear starts coming down their face. And you're like, yeah, uh-huh. You crying. That's right. You keep on crying. And then their, li their lips starts to quiver a little bit. And you keep on going. And you're waiting for that moment. That moment when they're going to do what you need them to do. And that's tell you they're sorry. And you wait and you wait. And you get to that moment right before they tell you they're sorry. You just walk away. I ain't doing it. And everybody cheers. Everybody's like, way to go, way to go, way to tell them off. Now, I was watching some of you during that, and you were enjoying that. I can tell you have thought about that before. There is somebody that you would love to do that to. But does it work? So I'm asking. Does grudge holding work? I'll tell you this, if it worked, you wouldn't be thinking about it right now. You wouldn't be thinking about that person that hurt you or that whatever happened to you. You wouldn't be thinking about it. It'd be gone. But no, you're thinking about it. Forgiveness is difficult, very difficult. Grudge holding is way easier. It's way easier to get mad. Well, I want to say this. The longer you hold a grudge, the longer the grudge has hold of you. Say it again. The longer you hold a grudge, the longer the grudge has hold of you. You're not winning. 
the longer. And then it become, it gets deeper into your soul. I know this. I've experienced this firsthand. I mean, I'm not there. I, I've experienced this to the point to where it, it engulfed me. And when you let it, it, that grudge, that unforgiveness gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And it gets in your soul and it starts to affect you. One day, you're just going to collapse emotionally because of it. That's what happened to me. That one day I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't have unforgiveness anymore. I can't live my life this way anymore because it's hurting me. They don't even know I'm mad. And see, that's another thing grudge does to you. It's sinister. It's a sinister thing that creeps up on you. Now, I'm going to say this. Some of you, you've made decisions in your life because of what happened to you in that moment. That's what happened to me. Somebody treated me this way, and I actually made decisions because I was never going to let that happen again. You're never going to do that to me again. It's not going to happen. Some of you toss and turn every night because of what has happened to you. And you're not free. See, I prayed this week for you. If you're watching today, in here today, I prayed that God would help you open your heart to that. That you wouldn't just push it under a rug like you've done every day of your life and say, I'll deal with it one day, but you'll deal with it now. And you'll open your heart and you'll say, God, free me from this. Break the chains of the past because a lot of us are holding on to those chains. We're linked to them, you know. Break those chains. I pray that God would give you freedom this morning because in forgiveness, and we're going to learn the forgiveness in the story of Jesus Christ, there is so much freedom It'll blow your mind what Christ can do in your life if you'll let him, if you'll embrace that symbol and the story of it. Now, some of you, I know, it's a very uh, early or, or uh, a recent wound in your life, and you're probably like, Brian, I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. Just be quiet. Okay, I get it. I understand. But the day's coming. And when that day comes, I want you to remember this day. Remember that God has a way. God has freedom through his son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that. The story of the cross, what does that look like? Here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to talk about the story. I'm going to give you a little verses from Romans. Paul's going to share with us how can we deal with unforgiveness or forgiveness. And then I'm going to give you a couple of ways of how to do that. And then I'm going to tell you a story, incredible story about forgiveness. So when you look at the cross, most of us are used to seeing it this way, okay? That as it's portrayed throughout time and through history, I'd say through the media, through movies, through what you've seen, we see Jesus on a little T like this. But when you look back and you look at the actual way the Romans crucified, which was the Eastern Legion of the Roman Empire, that's who crucified Jesus. When you look at how they did that, that's not the way it was done. 
there's a couple of differences that I'm going to show you and are very important. Jesus wasn't crucified on a small T, but on a large T, like this. Okay? This part is called the stipes. It stayed in the ground. This stayed in the ground. Then Jesus, and I'll tell you, this was nearly 500 pounds. Okay? So Jesus carried what is called the staros, staros on his back to Calvary. That's what he carried. That's a couple of differences that I know I thought was interesting. So Jesus didn't carry the full cross. He carried the top part. The most significant difference for me is this. This is the powerful moment that I realized that, wow, this is, how did I miss this? <laughs> you see, Jesus is portrayed in a lot of our films and a lot of our pictures and portraits or whatever. And it's different than history or than you, when you look at the Roman Empire and how they did things. We look at him as portrayed in like a 20 foot, 22 feet high. But actually, it was about this high, about six to seven feet was the cross of the height of the cross. It's this right here. So why is that significant? Because here's what the Roman Empire wanted you to know, okay? Here's what they wanted you to do. They said, come here. We want you to get close, okay? Come on up. We want you to look face to face, eye to eye, to the man on the cross. Because Rome was sending the message. They're saying, we need you to bow down to us serve us, and if you do not, this too shall be you. So they wanted you to get close. They wanted you to feel it. They wanted you to smell it. They wanted you to hear it because it was an amazing psychological event for people, and they did it all the time because they wanted to imprint in you I mean, I don't know if I saw that, I would, I would act different, wouldn't you? Be like, oh, no, I don't want to be like that. And they never forgot it once they experienced it. Okay, here's the cool part. There was another message being sent that day from a greater kingdom with far more significance than you can imagine. And that was the kingdom of God. It sent Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You know what Jesus is saying? This is so cool. Come close. Come close. Look the Savior of the world in the face, eye to eye. The man that was beaten, spit upon, battered, now imagine this. I want, you, I want you to imagine this with me. This is what got me. Imagine you're there that day. Let's go back in time. You were there that day. And you knew why Jesus was there. And you knew he knew it. And you walked up to him. And you looked him in the eyes. And you knew this was for you. This is for me. 
all this is for me. And you know what I think it would do? When we embrace that story, when we truly embrace the love of the cross, it changes you. It's not just a symbol anymore. It's not just something we see on the wall. This is real stuff, y'all. This is powerful stuff. This is what Jesus did for me and for you. He showed us the way of forgiveness. And what happens, this, this, this is so miraculous what happens to us when we embrace this, is that when we embrace the cross, it comes into our lives and our heart. And here's the cool part. It goes out. It goes out. And what forgiveness we have given, we give out. And here's our main point today. I want you to get this. Forgiven people forgive. When you understand the true picture and understand the cross and you embrace it in your life, you will forgive. Well, you probably still don't believe me yet. So I want to go over some verses with you that Paul tells us how to do this, okay? He gives us clear instructions. This is how you can forgive. Now, if you have your Bibles, Romans 12, 17, or your iPads, whatever you want to do, follow along. Very important stuff. Romans 12, 17, he said, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And if you have the way to highlight that or circle that, I want you to see evil. And what he's not saying is what happened to you doesn't matter. What happened to you is evil. What someone has done to you is the evil thing. But he's saying, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is something I struggle with because it's hard to live in partnership, I'd say, with everyone, you know? because we don't all like the same things, okay? And I know in business, I have some people I know that are in business, they have, this is hard for them because they have people that may steal for them or may do something and they have to let them go. And it's very difficult if you're a Christian to do that. How do you do that? You can. There's a way. There's a way to do it right. There's a way to have peace and do what's right for people, do what's good with everyone doesn't matter what they did to you, okay? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to answer me out loud, okay? Y'all with me? With me? I can't hear you. What would you say? Yeah, all right. Hey, online, I heard you. Here's the question. Whose job is it to avenge you? You can answer me out loud. Did you say God? I hope that's what you said. Okay. Again, when you avenge yourself, whose job are you assuming? God's. What Paul is saying is, you're not God. We're horrible at being God. <laughs> We can't avenge ourselves. We're horrible at it. We like the guy hitting the punching bag. That's how we avenge. 
I said, I'm going to laugh at that the rest of my life. But he's saying, you do your part. That's what Paul said. You do your part. You forgive and you do good and you let God take care of it. Man, that's so hard to do, though. My gosh. But that's what he's saying. Okay? On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Oh, really? Okay. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. See, that's our part. It's very hard to do if somebody, I mean, you ever done that before? When somebody hurts you, that you, you go and do something good for them? I'm going to tell you this next verse is what I like, though, right here. <laughs> this is a good one. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Amen. When I was a kid, I, I remember reading that or I heard it somewhere, and I literally thought if I was nice to that person long enough, I would see smoke coming out their ears and something burning on their head. And I couldn't wait. I was like, Mama, where is it at? I ain't seen it yet. But what he's really saying is that forgiveness is aggressive. Forgiveness is not timid. It takes boldness to forgive. It, it's not easy. But it needs to be done. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with, with good. If you could circle overcome, here, here's, here's an example. You holding that grudge or you having that whatever against somebody, the longer you hold on to that, the longer it'll take, over, take you over. The longer you're, you're constantly talking about it, when you get out of here or when whatever somebody happens and you get on Facebook and you blast and you just keep doing it, what's going to happen eventually? What do you think is happening to America right now? We're being overcome by evil because we think we have a right to scream about what we don't like. And I'm not saying some things aren't justified. What I'm saying is when it becomes this part to where you're constantly, this grudge is eating you up to where evil becomes part of you. That's what he's saying. So rather than do that, overcome evil with good. Do good. That's what Paul is saying. Real, real easy, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you four ways to do that. Four ways to forgive. If you want to write them down, you can. They're not easy, but here. Embrace God's forgiveness for you. You have to understand. Some of you may need to go right here and embrace this forgiveness God has for you. This is where you start. Without this, I don't think you can do it. You have to go here. Second thing, forgiveness, forgive because you've been forgiven. You know, we talked about forgiving people forgive, okay? Third thing, let God avenge you guys. He may not do it the way you think. He, he may not, you know, hurt them bad. But, you know, let him do his job, you do yours, okay? Overcome evil with good. Do good. At all possible, do good. Well, I told you I was going to tell you a story. And we talked about, is forgiveness possible? 
Okay? You still believe it is, right? We still believe that it is, but some of us aren't sure. Some of us are saying, maybe for you, not for me. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know my story, Brian. I've been hurt tremendously, and I get that. There's some stories that people have went through that I could not relate. And finding forgiveness is a miracle. It truly is. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about a man. It was a book. You probably heard of it. It's called Unbroken. There was a movie made a few years ago about it. And I love, like I said, I love the history. I love finding out, you know, people's stories, what God has done in their life. And I want to tell you a story about Louis Zapparini. Okay. He was an Olympic runner in 1936, set a couple of records. And he was destined to be the gold medalist in 1940 Olympics. But that didn't happen because of World War II. Came along. So what Mr. Zapparini did was he enlisted in the Army Air Corps. And he became a bombardier. This is him running. He became a bombardier. And he went on many missions, but this one mission he went on was a rescue mission. And they got in this, he was talking about how they got in this old plane. They really didn't want to get in it, it was like, but they did it anyway. And they were flying out, and they were about 800 miles away from Hawaii, and their plane had to ditch in the ocean. It killed everyone on board except for him and two other guys. So they found a raft, and they drifted in the ocean for 47 days, if you can imagine, 2,000 miles. And he says, I remember one night looking up at the stars, and he said, God, if you'll rescue me, I'll serve you. So the next day, Japanese rescued them. Japanese Navy rescued them and took him to Sagamo Prison, where for the next two years, the ocean would seem like a cakewalk, what he had to go through. When he got there, the commander, Mirashira Watanabe, it's hard to say that, recognized who he was. He said, that's Louis Zapparini. He said, I'm going to make an example of him because he's supposed to be the best of America. So all his hatred, this Watanabe, all his hatred, everything was pointed on Louis. In fact, he would stand, stand him up in the courtyard and they would just punch him repeatedly. Just punch him. Punch him. Over and over. There's one story in the book where he stood up and Watanabe took a belt and just smacked him in the back of the head, cracked his skull. Then he would pick him back up, clean him up, and he'd do it again. And he did that for two years. Constant torture. Then one day, Zamperini said, I've had enough. I'm going to kill him. He plotted to do that. And the next day, the American planes come flying over the camp. He said, hey, 
war must be over. And it was. And he was free. He got to come home. He was an American hero. He traveled around the country telling his story. But what happened to him is what I was telling you about, is that 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 evil, that hatred had become to take him over. He kept remembering what had happened to him, how I was treated, and the hate within him was so great that he began to have nightmares every night. He would have nightmares of those guards beating him or Watanabe being in his room, and he said, I couldn't handle it, so I just started drinking all the time. He says, the only way I could go to bed was to drink. He became an alcoholic. His life began to crumble. And one day his wife said, you know what? I've had enough, Louie. I'm going to divorce you. His life was at the lowest point. But then the next day, she came back and said, Louis, I went to a crusade last night, and I met Jesus. So I'm not going to divorce you now. But here's what I need you to do for me. Don't you love it? This is persistent. We love our wives. They're persistent. They tell us. You need to go with me to this crusade tonight. There's a great evangelist speaking. It was Billy Graham, 1948, Los Angeles Revival very popular revival if you've never heard of it. He said, all right, I'll go. All right, well, I don't believe in God. I don't want nothing to do with it. I don't, I'll go. So he went. He's like, oh, I don't like it. That wasn't me. I don't like it. I don't want to go back. So the next day she persisted again. You need to go back. He said, all right, I'll go one more time. So he went. And here's what he would say. You know, when the Christians start bowing their heads, that's when they start stealing your money. So when they do that, and Billy Graham says, bow your heads, close your eyes, I'm out the door. Okay? So Billy Graham, bow your heads, close your eyes. Louis turned around, started walking out. He got to the back of the tent. He heard the voice that reminded him of that day on the raft. He said, remember what you said to me? If I would rescue you, you would live for me. He said, in that moment, I remembered. And he turned around, walked all the way down to the aisle and knelt on his knees in front of Billy Graham and accepted Christ right there that day. You know what's amazing about that? We've heard those stories all our life, right? You've heard those stories, oh, that's sweet. But I'm going to tell you something. You know what Louis Zapparini did? He came here. He came close to the cross because he had no other choice. And when he did, here's what he said. This is the most powerful thing. He said, when I did, my hate turned to love. 
My entire life changed. I never had another nightmare again in my life because God had changed me from the inside. And he embraced that story, not just, you know, on the surface, but in his heart and life, he embraced Jesus Christ. And here's what he did. A couple of things I want to show you. He went back to Japan in 1952 and met with those, prison, those guards that had hurt him and beat him. And in the book, it's a powerful moment. He goes one by one to them, shaking their hand, saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. Many of them met Christ that day in that camp. And what I'm saying to you today, when you say, Brian, my story, I understand that. But what I'm saying is it works. And when I saw that and I read that forgiveness really works, it does. It is possible to forgive whatever has happened to you. Whatever it is, Jesus brings that to us. He brings a a forgiveness and a love that we can only imagine if we would just embrace the story, not just the symbol but the story of the cross. Stand with me. Would you stand together? I know we're a little late. I'm I'm sorry about that, but I think we'll be okay. Because I know a lot of you are dealing with hurt. So if you would just close your eyes, bow your head. I'm going to give you that chance today, like Louis had. If, you, if, if you're dealing with unforgiveness, you got a grudge on your shoulder or, or in your heart or whatever you're dealing with, I, I want to pray for that first. Father, I just want to thank you for today. I want to pray that you would begin to open hearts and minds, maybe online or here, that they're holding that grudge in their heart. They need to let go. I pray that you begin to work in that situation begin to bring freedom. And Father, I pray now for those who need to know you, who need to have that experience with you. They need to come to the cross. They need to get close to you and see you face to face and eye to eye and know how much you care and love them. So if you're watching online or you're here today and you want to accept Christ, this, is, this, this can change your life and your heart forever. This is real stuff. So if you'd like to do that, if you, if you can pray with me wherever you are. Just pray this with me. Say, Father, I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I pray that you would come in my heart and change me. I believe that you died for me on this cross that you rose again and you did all that for me. Please change me and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure to let us know by connecting with us online at marathonchurch.org. If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at marathonchurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. 
Thanks for listening to the Marathon Church Podcast. 